This is the What Happened Today podcast, your daily history podcast that tells you what happened on this day in history. Brought to you by the Productive Leisure Network, online, ProductiveLeisureNetwork.com. You can also find all of our episodes on iTunes, Stitcher, and SoundCloud. And you can follow us on social media at Twitter and Facebook, at ProdLeisure. I'm your host, Will Floyd, and what happened today, March 11th in 1946, Rudolf Huss, the Nazi commandant of the concentration and extermination camps at Auschwitz, was arrested by British soldiers in Gothrupel, Germany. At the time, Huss was calling himself Franz Lang and said he was a gardener. He had, like actually quite a few higher-ranking officers in the Third Reich, escaped capture after the end of World War II and the defeat of the Nazis. But hanging out in Germany still, and not totally protecting his son, Klaus, Hose was given up by his wife. The British troops that actually arrested him were led by Hans Alexander, a British captain who was born in Berlin but fled the Nazi regime. Some of the Jewish soldiers accompanying Hose finding out that it was him because Alexander forced off his wedding ring, which had his name inside, then started attacking him. It was Alexander that made sure that Rudolf Huss would come to trial. And this is actually one of the key aspects of the story of the capture of Rudolf Huss. At the very end of World War II, the situation on the ground for Nazis was quite complicated. Coming to power in 1933 with Hitler taking over as Chancellor of Germany, the Nazi party had only grown. And then, throughout their rise to power in the 30s, then branching out, taking over accompanying territory, and then, starting World War II, the Nazis committed a series of atrocities. This would reach its apex with what they called the final solution to the Jewish problem, which was a fancy way of saying, kill every Jew in Europe. Part of the key idea in doing this, as spelled out by Nazi leader Reinhard Heydrich, was actually to use concentration camps, which had been used for political prisoners, really since the start of the Nazi regime. And Rudolf Huss was one of the best. He was not alone. He actually learned sort of a lot of what he knew from a former commander, Theodor Eicke, who had been in charge at Dachau. And then he had gone to Sachsenhausen, where he learned under Hermann Baranowski. In other words, there were lots of death merchants among the Nazis. But what really set Rudolf Huss apart and then made him set Auschwitz apart from other horrific war crimes done by the Nazis was a kind of dark efficiency. Huss was born in Baden-Baden into a Catholic family in 1901. Too young to participate in World War I, it still had a massive effect on him. And in his youth, he turned against religion and then joined the various right-wing paramilitaries that sprung up throughout Germany in the early 20s. This made him an associate of the circles that Adolf Hitler ran in when Adolf Hitler was first beginning a political career in the early 20s. In 1923, Hoss would hear Hitler speak and join the then nascent Nazi party. In 1923, he would beat to death, along with some Freikorps compatriots, a sort of proto-paramilitary for the Nazis, a local school teacher named Wather Kadau, which was supposed to be on the instructions of Martin Bormann who would also be a prominent Nazi and actually later became Hitler's private secretary. As it turned out, he was shockingly efficient at it, but he also got caught. Therefore, he spent six years in prison. He joined the Artman League and back to the land movement when he was released in 1928 and married fellow member Hedwig Hinsel 
1929. This was also the moment when he first met Heinrich Himmler, who would eventually be his ultimate commander in the SS. The Schutzstaffel was the most fearsome of the paramilitaries the Nazis ever put together, and they got a free reign as soon as the Nazis were in control. In fact, in what was known as the Night of the Long Knives, shortly after taking power, they knocked out their chief competition, Stormabteilung, the previous paramilitary, and killed their leader, Ernst Röhm. And this allowed Rudolf Huss to accumulate his experience that would come all together in 1940. On May 1st, 1940, Huss was put in charge of a prison camp in Western Poland, what the Germans were then calling Upper Silesia. Building around a tiny army barracks, somewhat near to the small town Oswisum, or as the Germans called it, Auschwitz, Huss would build the most notorious concentration camp the Nazis put together. This is a heck of a claim. The Nazis had had labor camps, work camps, extermination camps before Auschwitz. But under the leadership of Rudolf Huss, there was a sense that Auschwitz could be different. He was officially ordered to create a transition camp, essentially have a work camp that could lead to an extermination camp. He saw it as an opportunity to make a much more efficient camp than what he had seen at Dachau and Sachsenhausen. He didn't just want to kill prisoners. He wanted to do it as ruthlessly as possible. And then, shortly after the camp opened with some Soviet prisoners of war and local Polish prisoners, Auschwitz took on the specter that would become what it was known for. After the Wannsee Conference in January of 1942, SS Obergruppenführer Reinhard Heydrich officially promulgated the idea that the final solution to the Jewish question would be put in place. That the Jews in German-occupied Europe would not just be killed, but systematically deported to camps in Poland and exterminated. In some sense, the work that Huss had already done at Auschwitz made the plan essentially send them to Auschwitz. It was Rudolf Huss that actually put in place efficient mass killing techniques. Certainly the Nazis could have rounded up all the Jews in their area and shot them in the head. That is not what they did. They systematically recorded who went to what camp. They moved them in special trains. They unloaded them. And then the ones they wanted to immediately kill, they sent to gas chambers. Gas chambers perfected by Rudolf Huss at Auschwitz. Auschwitz was actually three camps. The main Auschwitz camp, the Birkenau camp adjacent to it, and the Monowitz camp, just sort of outlying satellite camps. Most people actually arrived at Birkenau. However, if they were deemed unfit to do labor, they were then sent to the killing camp at Auschwitz. Making sure that he could most efficiently kill people, Huss first started gassing people. Then he decided he needed a better gas. Instead of using sulfuric acid sent in through gas, he actually introduced hydrogen cyanide. He would later claim after his arrest that it took about 3 to 15 minutes for the victims to all die, and that everyone there knew when everyone was dead because the screaming would stop. The Third Reich is full of deplorable characters. But what truly sets the Nazis apart in history is the cold, calculating efficiency. And perhaps no one quite exemplifies this as Rudolf Huss. He was not a major leader. He was always under other men. And in terms of the overall effect of the Holocaust, more blame probably goes even inside of the SS to Reinhard Heydrich. But the Nazis empowered men like Rudolf Huss. He didn't mind killing people in mass numbers. He sought to do it better, more efficiently. And in some way, where he wouldn't necessarily have to be the person torturing and killing anybody. Of course, as the commandant of Auschwitz, he was known to not just the people who came to Auschwitz and suffered there, but also many other Nazis. And he, in fact, moved on from Auschwitz in November of 1943 to be the deputy 
of the inspector of the concentration camps to the actual inspector, Richard Glucks. But he was essentially one of the chief people in carrying out exterminations of Jews. In 1944, he would come back to Auschwitz to oversee Action Hus, where some 400,000 Hungarian Jews were killed in less than two months in a series of transports and executions. The bodies piled up so much that instead of disposing them as usual, open pits were dug and the bodies burned in mass graves. And so when the end of the war came, among the Nazi leaders who were looked for by Allied troops was naturally Rudolf Huss. Some Nazis, most notably Adolf Hitler himself, committed suicide in the same bunker just before the Nazis surrendered. Joseph Goebbels would also commit suicide. But there was a fleet of Nazi leaders who would commit suicide upon hearing of Hitler's own suicide. The ones who didn't, who wanted to survive, then tried to hide out. What is actually kind of astonishing about Huss is that he was so unsuccessful. He tried to disguise himself as a German Navy officer before trying to then get into civilian life, which of course, being arrested less than a year after the fall of Nazi Germany, proved it wasn't the best option. In fact, his former assistant, Adolf Eichmann, would go to Austria, then make his way to South America. He would eventually be captured in 1960 by the agents of Mossad, the Israeli secret service. Host was arrested before Israel was even a state. And in what were known as the rat lines, largely brought about by Bishop Alois Hudal, a Catholic priest sympathetic to the Nazis, many people went out, including other commandants of concentration camps. Franz Stengel, who had been in charge at Treblinka, Gustav Wagner, who was in charge of Sobibor, had all managed to leave. And there was Rudolf Huss. What is actually astonishing about the story of Rudolf Huss's capture is that it happened so easily, kind of just asking about where people might be in Germany. They found him. And the British soldiers turned him over to the military tribunal at Nuremberg. By this point, the International Military Tribunal was on the fourth tribunal, what was the Pohl trial, after Oswald Pohl, an Obergruppenführer of the SS, who was in charge of his own extermination procedures. And Rudolf Huss then became one of the star witnesses of the trial. Whereas his compatriots, his close associates, were fleeing all over the world, going to Franco's Spain to then head on to Latin America and work for dictators, or possibly even get with dictatorships in the Middle East. Huss stayed at the military tribunal and gave all sorts of evidence. He would make an affidavit where he estimated that there were 2.5 million victims executed and exterminated under his command at Auschwitz. He thought this was about 70 to 80% of the prisoners sent to him, and that this was mostly Jews, but there were other people who were brought along as well. He seemed not to care what was happening. When he was told that he was accused of murdering three and a half million people, he got offended. He said, no, it was only two and one half million. The rest died from disease and starvation. He somehow couldn't make the link that putting them in a labor camp that caused that disease and starvation was also his responsibility. Perhaps unsurprisingly, when the Supreme National Tribunal in Poland did try him for murder, he was rather easily found guilty. He had, of course, already announced almost all of his crimes, and he was sentenced to hang. On April 16th, 1947, just about 13 months after his capture, Rudolf Huss was taken to a gallows outside of the crematorium, still standing, at Auschwitz. He was hanged on a specially constructed short-drop gallows, which means that it's the simplest way of hanging. They wanted to send a message. The location was more important than the method. Psychologists who looked at him were shocked by his matter-of-fact demeanor. Rudolf Hoss gave a small apology and a confession just before he was executed. 
but it sounds unfeeling. Then again, he always was unfeeling. He would return to the Catholic Church just before his execution. It's hard to know how much Rudolf Huss really was sorry for his crimes right before his execution. After all, he was facing the gallows. Then again, facing the gallows, no matter what, it didn't matter what he said. He seemed to never really understand the real enormity. He didn't have the capacity for it. And a man like that can be empowered by Nazi ideology. A man like that can find a true calling by running the most efficient death camp, as Rudolf Huss did at Auschwitz. And he can perpetrate the crimes for which he was arrested by British troops, which is what happened today, March 11th in 1946. That will do it for today's episode, but as always, please check back in tomorrow for a brand new episode. We are a daily history podcast, and we put out an episode each and every day. You can also find all of our episodes on our website, ProductiveLeisureNetwork.com, and on iTunes, Stitcher, and SoundCloud. You can also follow us for updates on everything to do with the Productive Leisure Network on Facebook and Twitter, at Prod Leisure. Thanks for listening, and see you tomorrow.